0: Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's word. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. Hey, uh, we're glad that you're here today. My name's Jeremy if I've never had the chance to meet you. Today's a special day for us. We have got a guest speaker, uh, and we're so excited that they're here. We have Bishop Tom and Sharla Madden. They're right over here. Yeah, absolutely. So, some of you know this, but if you're not fully aware, we are a Church of God church. That means we're a part of a denomination. And if you're not really familiar with that, you don't really understand that. In a nutshell, I'll give you kind of the high points. What it allows for us to do is to be a part of a fellowship of other churches and believers. There's somewhere between 6 and 12 million members of the Church of God. The reason that's a pretty wide margin is because of the way they count members outside of the United States. We've got about 6 million members we know of. Uh, But, man, we're a part of a larger fellowship. It provides covering for us. It provides accountability for us. It provides support for us. It also provides for us to be able to do more in missions around the world uh, than we could do on our own. And we're so thankful for that. Uh, But Brother Madden and Sister Madden, they are our uh, administrative bishop for this region of Georgia, North Georgia. And so he's here today just to, to be a part of our gathering and to meet you and just to, 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 uh, to minister to us in the Word. So in just a second, he's going to come up. When he does, make sure you give him a big Canton Church round of applause. He'll be up right after this. We're glad you're here today. Thanks for being here. Oh, wow. My goodness.
1: Well, good morning, Canton Church. What a delight and a privilege it is for Sharla, who is my wife right here, uh, for us to be here with you today on a very special day and man, just to come into this service this morning and to see an excited group of people at nine thirty. <laughs> now, Pastor Jeremy was telling you a moment ago uh, a little bit about my role. I oversee our churches in North Georgia, so I'm usually at a different church every Sunday. And different styles, and some of them will have multiple services. And usually the early service. Let's see how can I how can I compare. Them? The early service is about as exciting as the Tennessee Volunteers in Neyland Stadium yesterday. That <laughs> worked that one in real nice, didn't I? Confession is good for the soul, not so much for the reputation. I, along with your pastor, am a Tennessee Volunteer fan. I just quit watching. I, just, I said, that's it, halftime, I didn't watch anymore. And uh, I'm with you. I, b- I believe we're going to get a new coach, and I'm I'm interceding for that. Just do something, <laughs> do something. But I appreciate everybody leaving me alone yesterday because I made a lot of people mad last year with that last-second touchdown and all that kind of stuff. But beyond all that, man, what a privilege to be here today, and why we're here, and to be with your pastors. Pastor Jeremy and, and Corey Isaacs, what a I've known them for a long time. In fact, I was trying to think a moment ago how long I've known Jeremy, and I looked at Cooper over here, and I said, I believe I have known Jeremy since that particular point in time, being friends with his dad and working together in different things of ministry. And to see them come and take their place in the kingdom and what God is doing through them, I, th- I tell you, it's wonderful. It does my heart good. And this is just the beginning, right? This is just the beginning of what God is going to do. I want to talk to you this morning about a couple of things about the church. The church of Jesus Christ. Now there's a story in Matthew chapter 16. And I want to read just a little bit uh, of this. If you have your Bible, turn to it. In Matthew chapter 16. And I want us to look at verses 13 through 20. And I'm kind of going to summarize it for you because I want to talk about the church of Jesus Christ, what it means, what are we called to do, what is the church? So, what happens in this particular passage of scripture, and I'm gonna paraphrase it for you Jesus comes to his disciples, his fame is growing throughout the land, and so he comes to them and he says, Who do men say that I am? He said, What's my reputation that people are talking? And so they begin to talk back to Jesus. And they say, well, some say you're Elijah. Great miracles, things are going on. Some say you're Isaiah with all the prophetic stuff and the prophetic words that he spoke about about what you were going to be, the Messiah coming. But then Jesus looks at them and says this, but who do you say I am? What do you think of me? What, what, what do you believe in your heart that I am? And so Peter looks at him and makes those, that great statement. He said, you are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. And then Jesus responds to Peter and to the crowd, and he says, flesh and blood, had, and you know, that didn't reveal it to you, but he said, upon that profession, that I am the Christ, I am the Son of God, I'm going to do something. He said, I'm going to build a church and he said, the very gates of hell will not prevail against it. What he was saying was, I'm Christ, and I'm gonna have a people, I'm gonna have a church, and nothing can stop that in the earth. So when we begin to look at church, what are we talking about? When we look at it, there are several definitions of church. Now most people go to the building, and that is a definition of church and, and what it really means. But the greatest meaning is this, church, what the scripture says is those that are called out, those who believe in Jesus Christ, he called them the church. Now while we're meeting here in Canton today, across North Georgia in our fellowship, our denomination, our affiliation, our network, whatever it is, whatever title you want to use, there are 266 churches of God meeting like this in a building somewhere. There'll be all kind of different styles. Some of them will be just like this. Some of them will be very formal, coat and tie. I'm splitting the difference this morning. (laughs) There'll be all kinds of, of people, but what they are, the greater picture is they are meeting together. They are the called out ones who know Jesus Christ. Now we meet in a building, there are 266 of those, 115,000 members in North Georgia. So how far is that? To the Tennessee line, to Macon, Georgia, the affiliation, the network of the Church of God, the called out ones who have associated themselves with the Church of God, that is the church meeting in buildings. But the greater picture is this, It is, the church is not just the building. This is the meeting place where the church comes together. Understand this, the greater picture of the church is all of those who know Jesus Christ, who have a relationship with Him, who have been called. Called what? Called out of darkness called out of a sinful life, and they have given their heart and their life to Jesus Christ. Those, that is the church. That, those are the called out ones who belong to him. And the greater picture of that is this, is there are millions and millions and millions of people across the world who are the called out ones who know Jesus Christ, And what I love what he said was this. What he was saying was there's going to be a, the world is going to get dark and you and I are living in what I believe is the darkest moment the church, uh, the world has ever known. And I'm not really here to tell you this morning that things are going to get better as we read the scripture and as we come toward the end of time. But here's what I am here to tell you this morning. That in this period of time, when the world is getting darker, the called out ones, the light of Jesus Christ will shine brightest in the darkness. These are the best moments, that the called out ones, that the church has ever known. And in these days, men and women, I believe that the church of Jesus Christ is going to do supernatural things because I believe that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is going to show up through His church, through His people, because we have the answer. We have the answer that is alive. Now there are a lot of people meeting in churches today that do not have the answer. They are singing to a God. They are worshiping a God that does not hear a word they say. But do we know this morning, being the called out, the elect of Jesus Christ, that every prayer we prayed this morning, he heard it. Every request that we made to him, he heard it. Every time we lifted up our hands and we sang praise to Him, He heard it. And in this day, God is going to use His church to share in a world of darkness that He is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. It's a great, and what's what's that going to do to Canton Church? The 8th, 930 service is going to be filled up. There are going to be more called out ones because of you. The next service is going to be filled because of you sharing the light of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, this is just the beginning for what God is going to do in you and through you, his church. Do you believe that this morning? Can we put our hands together for that? As Pastor Jeremy says, as part of a denomination, we're able to unite ourselves together. Here's a deep phrase this morning. This is real deep. I had to think a long time about this. We can do more together than we can do by ourselves. That's just real elementary 101 stuff, isn't it? You realize this morning there's an orphanage in Nairobi, Kenya that my wife and I really love as part of our fellowship, as part of our network. This morning, there are about 100 kids in this orphanage. The ticket to get in this orphanage is, of course, the parents had died, but they had died because of AIDS. The Kibera slums in Nairobi, Kenya beautiful, beautiful orphanage that is built. The Kibera Slums is just across. You can see it from the top of the hill. There are at least a million people who live in those slums. There is no running water. There is no electricity. It is beyond anything that we can imagine. And my wife and I were there on one trip visiting the orphanage and we'd gone into a nearby little village to, to, to do some services and on the way back the missionary there had found a little girl just found a girl that had been discarded on the side of the road. Now we cannot imagine that kind of thing. But because of our network and our fellowship, they were able to bring that little girl in. They named her Miracle. I'll never forget it. They brought her in, they cleaned her up, and she's now part of that. And we're part of building Bible schools and that kind of thing around the world so that what? The church, the called out ones, the purpose of Christ could continue to go. Now here's what Jesus did, though. When he talked about his church, he said the church is going to have some order to it. I'm going to place people in the church, in the body, with gifts and talents and callings so that all of it could fit together that my work could be accomplished. So in Ephesians chapter 4, he said I place gifts. He talked about five-fold ministries, and he placed offices in the church. And I want to share a little bit of uh, of that with you. He said there would be apostles There would be people in the church called out to do mission. They would establish churches. And a lot of that was the first century church. You know, Paul and Barnabas and them went throughout all the known world establishing churches. He said there would be deacons that would be in the church. And that would be those who would be called to serve in the first century church. He said there would be bishops or overseers which is what I am in this particular region. And what we are given to do is oversight and authority over the churches in that region. It is my responsibility to you to make sure that everything is in order in the church, all 266 churches. Not only am I Pastor Jeremy's bishop, I am your bishop as well. Because there needs to be authority in the church. Authority is scriptural. Now we live in a day where people do not like authority. They want to do their own thing. And what happens is things get out of balance because there always has to be authority in the government and we see that right now going on everywhere. So what's happening where there is no authority? There is chaos. And what God said, he, he is the head, he is the authority, He has given us his word to live by. So he said in the church I want there to be authority in my church. So that I am in your bishop, I'm their bishop, to make sure that there is authority of what? To make sure that sound doctrine is being preached. To make sure that the word of God is not being violated. So there are times, and if Pastor Jeremy gets crazy, Let's see. Let's let's see how I can phrase that again. (laughs) If he just gets up here one Sunday and just goes violating the Word of God, he begins teaching something that is unscriptural, then it is my responsibility as a bishop to bring correction in the body. Okay? It's necessary that there is correction in, in the body. Now, you say, well, who are you responsible for? Who is your authority? There are men that are over me. The first layer that is over me is a group of peers who have been uh, elected by their peers to sit with me to make sure that I operate in authority. Your pastor, Pastor Jeremy, is elected as one of our counselors in North Georgia. It is a great great honor, and particularly at this stage of his life to be elevated to that place as a counselor, as an authority, as a check and balance to make sure that I am in under authority. I answer to these men. And above us there is another group of leaders who have been elected to serve to make sure that the entire church works. But then there's one more that I want to talk to you about very quickly. And that is a pastor or shepherd. On the front lines of the church, God has entrusted and He has called and gifted pastors to oversee the flock of God. The leader here at Canton Church are your pastors, Jeremy and Corey Isaacs. God has not only gifted them to do that, but He has called them to do that. And what He's called is, what a pastor was called in those days, was a shepherd. One, to take care of the flock, the sheep. And that's the analogy the Scripture uses many times. And you know what always amazes me is we always like to talk about us being the flock of God. We like to talk about us being the lambs of God, being His sheep. We we read that in Scripture, and Isaiah said all we like sheep have gone astray. we Turned everyone to our own way, and we like to talk about being little lambs of God. But do you understand that maybe being called a sheep, a herd of sheep, is not a compliment? <laughs> now, when our kids were growing up, and when the Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus was working, we'd take the kids to the circus every year. It's fun, and uh, so a lot of trained animals come into the, those rings: lions, tigers, uh, elephants. Dogs, I mean you name but I never saw a herd of sheep come in the arena. Did, anybody ever been in the circus? Okay, thank you. Did you see them? No you didn't see them. And here's the reason why. You can't train sheep. You can't train a lamb. They're dumb. <laughs> they are dumb. They're stupid. That is the reason in the scripture that you see Christ, the good shepherd, leaving the flock and going after the one who is lost. Why? Because he knows that one lamb cannot find its way back home. And you see the shepherd protecting the flock because the lambs are defenseless against their predators, they're easy prey, they're good eating. And so what you find is the shepherd would protect the flock of God. On the front lines, that is the role of your pastor. It is to protect the called out ones, the church, the lambs, the the flock of God. He is to protect you. How does he do that? By every week giving you the word of God. And brothers and sisters, understand this. We are living in a day when the Scripture said that men would not endure sound doctrine. In other words, we live in a day where where people want to go to a place where they just want to hear what they want to hear. They don't want to change their lifestyle even if it contradicts God's Word, if it contradicts the authority of Scripture. I don't want that. I want to do my own thing. Tell me what I want to hear. But brothers and sisters, a real shepherd, a real pastor will give you the whole counsel of God. See, I, went to, I had to go to the doctor back in the spring. Had some tests come back. and So I went in, and he began to share with me a, a little problem. I didn't want to hear it. That's not what I wanted to hear. I want a good report. But the doctor said, We've got to correct some things. We've got to check some things out so that you can live your life to its fullest. Well, I did, even though I didn't want to hear it, I knew I wanted to keep living as long as I possibly can. So what did I do? I listened to his instruction and I took the prescription that he gave me. That is what the shepherd, the man of God does when he comes. It might not be something that he gets joy in speaking to. Because there are times of correction when God wants our life to be complete and full in him. But brothers and sisters, you are so fortunate that you have a real man and woman of God Amen. who will give you the full counsel of God so that we could lift pure and holy and clean hands before the Lord. I'm going to ask Jeremy and Cora if you would come and stand in front of me because here's some things I want to give you. I want to give you a symbol. Come on, right here. <laughs> well, I'm going to let it go today, but understand, I understand i got a few more of these in my <laughs> office if I need to. But here's the pastoral responsibility, and I want to give this to them because as your shepherd, this is a symbol of what it means to be a shepherd. Now, the shepherd, the, the, the staff that a shepherd had. It, it, it wasn't nice and pretty like this one. <laughs> it wasn't a lacquer finish like this one is. But a shepherd in the desert in those days, and I always go back to the one that Moses had because that's to me one of the greatest stories. God looked at Moses and he said, what have you got in your hand? And he just simply said a rod. It was a staff. There wasn't anything super about it. It was an ordinary staff that every shepherd in the desert had, but what happened was God used it and God anointed it. And you know the symbolism that's going here. But let me give you some things of pastoral responsibility. And that is to feed the flock of God. To protect you from wolves who would come in and try to destroy you. To be a student of the Word, to share the whole counsel of God so that you can be mature, That you're no longer a baby just tossed with every little thing that comes. He's to search the Scriptures. He is to preach the Word and be in season and out of season, to convince, and sometimes to rebuke. He's to be a teacher and to be a pattern in all things, showing himself as an example before you. But what's your responsibility to him, to to this couple that God has brought to you? Let me share with you a couple of things that you are to do. You are to follow your pastor. This is the leader. These are the leaders. They have heard from God to give the direction and counsel with elders as to the direction. You're to honor the pastor. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Now he didn't tell me to tell you this, but pay your pastor. (laughs) If you had a doctor appointment tomorrow, you had a heart condition you would want to go to the best doctor you could find, right? Because that's life. Let me share with you what's broken here and what is done here week after week is far more important than our physical bodies. Because our spiritual man will live forever and forever. We need healthy, pure hearts. You're to pay him. Take care of him and watch after him. The greatest thing that I think you can do with your pastor is to pray for them in sincere, earnest, intercessory prayer. Because brothers and sisters, here's the bottom line. This is spiritual warfare. The enemy does not like what's going on here. And he will do everything he possibly can to destroy it. He will bring an assignment against them. There's a target on their back because if he can take them out, then look at the influence that is here. Look at the future influence that is to come. Not only them but through you as as their influence grows with you your influence grows in Canton and in the community. Now the enemy doesn't know what's coming. He doesn't see the future. But what the enemy can do is he can sense that God is up to something. That God is going to do something strong. And your prayers have power. Your prayers have authority because you can speak the word of God and command the enemy, command the assignments of the devil to be broken. I believe that with all of my heart this morning. That is great over there this morning. And what I believe is going to happen, those prayers that are in there, God's going to answer prayers. He's going to show up strong and let people know that he is who he is. Pray for them. Pray for their children. So Jeremy and Corey, I give you this today as a symbol of being a shepherd of the people. Thank you. I know God has anointed you. He's called you. And I know he's going to use both of you in a super powerful way this morning. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, come on. Just remain standing. Just remain standing. I'm finished. I'm going to ask him to come to the keyboard and play. But here's how I want us to close this this morning. So this is a building. It is the church. This is the place where people gather. You have leadership. You have everything in place. There's a story in John chapter 5 that I love because I believe it talks about the church talks about the building and all of that. It was a place called Bethesda. It was a pool. And the Bible says that people would come and sit around the pool. And periodically an angel would come and stir the pool, the waters. And if you were the first to get in the pool, you would be healed. There's a lot of that that I don't fully understand. That's just the way it happened. But the Bible says there was a crippled man who sat by the pool. He was there for 38 years. Now that's just, that's just beyond my mind right there. 38 years he's crippled. He sees the waters being troubled. He sees people getting in before him. He can't be healed because he can't get in the water. There's nobody to help. Jesus walked over to him and said, Sir, would you be healed? He said, I would love to be healed, but when this happens, when the waters are troubled, there's nobody to help me. There's nobody to get me in the water. Jesus said this, Today, get up. The Lord Jesus Christ, of course, healed him. But here's the point I want to make. This building is a pool. Outside this building in Canton, Georgia, there are people who want to be healed. And though we can't hear their cry, you don't hear it in this room this morning, they are crying. And Jesus, the one who called us out, hears every cry. What are the cries? Heal my mind. Heal my soul. Heal my marriage. Heal my children. Jesus has heard them and what he wants us to do as his church, the called out ones, is, is as we go about our responsibilities and our duties to reach out to them and get them and bring them into the pool, bring them into the church and bring them to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what he wants to do. That's how he wants to use His body. Would you bow your heads, please? Now I want to pray. Now, Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for the privilege that we have to be in your house. I thank you for this church being birthed. I thank you for that. Lord, in eternity, you knew that we would be here today. You knew every person. You you knew the pastor. You, You knew the formation of it. So nothing is by accident. It is by divine design. We thank you for where it has already come. And I pray right now that as we come to to this particular time, I decree and I declare the latter is going to be greater than the former. This is just the beginning of what you're going to establish. That one day we'll look back at this day and go, boy, that that was when we were so small. We were crowded into that little building. But I foresee the day coming when there are great multitudes that are going to come and worship at Canton Church. They're going to come because they have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. They're going to be part of the church. The called out ones who who have given their heart and their life to you. Now I pray blessing today over Pastor Jeremy and Corey and their family. I plead the blood of Jesus over them. Cover them today. Equip, anoint them to accomplish what you have called them to do here. And I I cancel every assignment of the enemy, every contract from hell that would be levied against them. We curse it now in the name of Jesus Christ. It will not prosper. Release mighty warring angels giving divine protection and guidance and wisdom as they go forward. And bless your people, the church that's here today. Help us, Lord, to be sensitive to the pool around us, to those that are around us, people who are hurting. And help us to reach out to them with the same compassion that you reached out to us, that they would find you and know you and come to a relationship with you. These things we ask this morning in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, the strong son of the living God, for his name's sake we pray it. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you this morning. we put our hands together.
0: Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash